Now Neil is about to come up and uh, speak with us. It's our Vision Sunday, and he's going to base his uh, sermon around the book of Ephesians. So if you have a Bible, you might like to turn to that, and I'm going to read the passage from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. And it goes like this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So that's the passage Neil's going to speak on. So, Neil, if you'd like to come. Let's just encourage Neil. He hasn't been very well recently, and he's been uh, recovering. And uh, so it's great to have you back, Neil. Thank you very much, Ron. And you're very kind, everybody. I like that. I know we're um, nearly three weeks in, uh, but this has been my first opportunity to wish you all a very happy new year. It's a bit belated, I do realize that, but I, I do mean that. Um, today is what we call Vision Sunday. And if you're new here or you came to any of our services around Christmas time or perhaps the carol service, and you thought, do you know what, I'd like a closer look in, then uh, I am so glad you're here, because this is an important day, good time for you to come. So thank you for coming. Uh, my name is Neil. I'm privileged to be part of the uh, leadership team here. It's a good leadership team, but it must be, because they let me on it. And um, they, I'm privileged to be part of that. And these days are opportunities for us to catch the heart an essence of the King's Church. So, um, very glad you're here. Do you know, at the beginning of the book of Joshua, I think it's the third chapter, and there's all these Israelites uh, milling uh, around the River Jordan. They've been wandering around in a desert for 40 years, and the, the, the Jordan is in full flood and they want to get to the other side which is the promised land that God has promised them but the river is in full flood which is not unfamiliar for us here in the UK at the present time is it? and um, what happens is that God holds back the water he can do that you know he's God you get that don't you and he holds back the water and they they walk across the riverbed. And Joshua says, pick up 12 stones, one for each tribe. Pick them up from the middle of the riverbed and take them and carry them to where we camp, which is exactly what they do. And he says, this is a memorial. It's true. In other words, it's a reminder. That's what it is. This is to remind you Whenever you come to this pile of stones and somebody says, what's that about? That is what God did to us. So this is 
part of what we do on a vision morning is to remind ourselves what God has done. Church, I want to tell you, we're in the middle of a miracle here. And sometimes we lose sight of it. Sometimes we miss it. You know, I was on the Alpha course, and we had these people. It's a small Alpha course. We had these people in the Huendam room. And we had time to pray with them. And as we had that moment of prayer, just the presence of God came. And I just thought, that is phenomenal. Lord, you just moved so brilliantly. Church, we're in the midst of a miracle. And sometimes we take these things for granted and we can miss it. Uh, Last week I went to see The Hobbit Part 2. Has anybody seen that? Just let me know if you you did too. Just you, just a few. What's wrong with you? it's It's a great film. Great film. I mean, it moved at breathtaking speed. Absolutely breathtaking speed. And it's, uh, they give you these 3D glasses, don't they? They give you these three. I've got loads of them now. I keep forgetting to, you know, you buy one each time you go, because I've got a stack of them at home. And um, you put on the 3D glass, glasses, and it's, it's, it's amazing, absolutely amazing. And you, you stand there, and you're, you're duck, because you think this, and you feel a right, idiot for ducking because but it's it's just brilliant it's absolutely brilliant Uh, but I took off the glasses a couple of times just to see what it was like without the glasses it was really blurred it it was indistinct you couldn't make out it was it was difficult it was just difficult to see and why we've read this passage is is that we want to put our we want to see who we are through the lens of the word of God and uh, this man, Paul, does it absolutely brilliantly. So it won't be a strategy morning. And if you love a new vision every five minutes, this is not for you. You have to find that somewhere else. This is to remind us three things. I want to remind us who we are. I want to remind us where we are. And remind us what we have. Remember who you are. Remember where you are. And remember what we have. So that for those of you who are new here, the vision of the King's Church, just, we just put it into three words so that we can remember it. It's build, bridge, bless. So it's build a church, bridge into the community, be a blessing beyond our shores. Build, bridge, bless. That, that is basically the heart of it. You'll receive this reflected time and time and time again through what we do and who we are as a church. And it all comes out of who we are. You won't get a more breathtaking vision of the church than this letter. If you are sitting here in the new year and thinking, oh, what shall I read? Read this. You want to know what it is to be, a, to be a Christian? You want to know what it is to be in the body of Christ and to be in the church? Read this. This is what, this is, it's breathtaking. Uh, it's, you get a fuller picture. So let's start with remember who you are. You remember who you are. And so have a look in your Bibles there. This is not rocket science, by the way. It's in verse 1, and it goes, To the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. To the saints. To the saints. Have a good look round. This is where it gets embarrassing. I think this person is a saint. In fact, Steve, just turn to Ron and just say, Ron, you are a saint, you are. I mean, that's just, have you, you know... It it has an interesting response. 
in Christians when they're called saints? It's a very interesting response. Please stay with me because you're going to need to understand this. But our first inclination, and I understand because I look out here and think, saints? I look at Bruce Riley over there, like, saints? Goodness me. What? Saints? And, um, and that's our first inclination. Um, I, you know, I'm a, I don't mind being a Christian, but a saint, that's just a step too far. It doesn't help either when in church circles, it takes cent- some, t- some church circles, it takes centuries to acknowledge them as saints. And I'm all for honoring people and acknowledging accomplishments by all means. But Paul uses this word regularly. When he's talking about believers, he's talking about the church, he says saints. He does that again and again and again. The saints, to the saints, to the saints. You'll see that in a number of his letters. That's you. That is you. You don't have to understand. You don't have to remember who you are. You are a saint. Why was it? That the early church, why was it? How did they do it? It's just a handful of believers. And they had such a profound effect that they overturned the Roman civilization and civilizations of those days. In 300 years, the, 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 the known global world, 300 years, and it starts from a handful of these believers. How did they do it? Have you ever thought about that? That's, all, that's 300 years, and they had unbelievable, a global effect. Christianity, I'll tell you what, it wasn't organization. And it, and it wasn't numerical, because they started so small. It's the quality of life they had. It was that, the power they possessed, and they knew who they were. Christians, you have to know who you are. They knew they were the people of God. Do you know who you are? Do you know you are? You belong to him. Remember who you are. A saint is not about being saintly. That's why you can look the other person in the eye and say, you're a saint. It's not about being saintly. It's about being set apart. It's about belonging to God. Belonging to him. You know, the primary sense, their primary sense, this early church of identification, did not come from their nationality. And it didn't come from their profession. You know, I'm, uh, my name's Neil and I do this. It didn't come from that. It didn't come from their family. And the wonderful family that they have. It didn't come from the project that they poured their life into. Their identification came from being in Christ. That is the important thing, belonging to God. To be a Christian is not something that you do, it's something God does. Yet this is really key. You've got to know who you are. Why? Because God does it. We started this series on Abraham, and Ron told us where it all started, which is a couple of weeks ago, and where Abraham lives in this land called Ur, or this place called Ur, U-R. And um, that's the spelling, by the way. Not, anyway. And it, it, which he said is close to the vicinity of uh, Basra in Iraq today. And he is there. This is Abraham. And then out of the blue, God speaks. 
God speaks. God takes the initiative. We get no introduction to Abraham. We are never told why God chooses him. We're never told about his credentials. We're never told about his qualifications. We're never we're not told about how he was adept at this or that or other. It's, it's not. Abraham is an ordinary man. Abraham is an ordinary man. And what produces the extraordinary is God speaks. That's the point. God speaks. You know, you don't set yourself apart. He does. Important to understand that. It all starts with him. Do you know, even, your, even your, the beginnings of your curiosity about Christ... God started that. I was with somebody one, one time, and they said, do you know what? I, I, I keep meeting Christians. I keep meeting Christians. Do you know, I never met, I, never, I, I just didn't know there were that many around, and, and now they're popping up all over the place. There's a Christian here, and there's another one arrived at my work, and I was speaking to somebody else the other day, and they're a Christian. They're, jolly Christians keep, keep arriving in my life. Do you know who does that? God does. God does that. He starts your curiosity off. So, it starts with God. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who when he does uh, pastoral counseling, when he, when he did pastoral counseling, uh, sometimes he would stop and he would ask a very simple question. And he would say, tell me, are you a Christian? And every now and then, he met the response of, well, I'm trying. I'm trying. And he realized they hadn't got it. You see? It's not about your trying. It's about his grace. It's about the unearned favor of God. That's what it's about. I don't know where you are. And are you trying? Are you trying to be a Christian? Only God can do this. You either are or you're not. I don't mean to be so, you know, draw the line so categorical, but it's true. You're either born again or you're not born again. It's just, God does it, my friends. Trying? I mean, you might try to be more sanctified, I understand that, but trying to be a Christian? That's the thing God does. Know who you are. Now, I'm going to show you a clip of a film, and um, I can't believe I'm doing this. Um, in fact, I did say in the first meeting that my sons will give me real flack for putting this one on. And um, they, will, they will get, and they did. Well, one of them did, definitely. So, Dad, I can't, I, and I can't believe I'm putting this film on. So I, I can't do it. I, I, my, my street cred is gone. Okay, so um, anyway, uh, let me give you a bit of context first. Maria, in The Sound of Music, is singing to Captain Von Trapp. And um, she is the nanny for his children. And he has just told her that he loves her. And she is struck by the wonder that she of all people should be loved by someone as grand as him. She can't understand why she is so blessed. 
It's a song I've been trying to teach my wife for years. And uh, she still hasn't learnt it yet. Anyway, that's... Uh, so, here, stay with me. Listen to the words of the song. Some of you probably already know them. That's enough. Okay. You're going to applaud the sound of music if you like. I'm... Anyway, I've done my part. And um, now listen, I was in the office uh, and I came out of the office. I said, does anybody know the words to this? Does anybody know where I can find the words, the lyrics to this song? And I explained the scene. And Jen starts to, uh, starts to look and then she stops and then she starts to sing the song. And I think, what sort of person does that? <laughs> and there's some of you here who could have sung the rest of it. You poor things. Anyway, the point of this is that she's overwhelmed by being um, loved by him. And she said, so she says, Basically, she says, these are the words. Sometimes, somewhere, I must have done something good. Nothing comes from nothing. Nothing ever could. In other words, there must be a reason why I deserve to be loved by someone like this. Sometimes, somewhere, I must have done something for good. Nothing comes from nothing. Nothing ever could. Well, I played my part in that and all the rest of it. Listen, in the world that is true. But in God, that isn't. Hear this. In the world that is true. A reason for this, an explanation for that, a reason. That, in the, that is true. But with God, all things come from nothing. He creates the universe from what? Nothing. He just speaks it into being. The sun, the moon, the stars, out of nothing. He gives his grace and love and promise out of nothing. As no other reason, there's no reason for him to love you other than he does. That's it. That is it. It's nothing about your trying. It's nothing about how good you are. It's just his mark of love is upon you for you. That's it. No other explanation. In Deuteronomy chapter 4. See, Maria has to have a reason. You don't. 
Christians, you don't. He loves you. Do you know this? It's really key you do. Moses' only explanation to Israel as to why God delivers them from Egypt, the slavery in Egypt, is because he loves them. That's it. No other qualification. No other credential required. Saints, it's not about trying to be a saint. It's about living in the grace and the love of God for which he has set you apart. Remember who you are. You're chosen. God's people. Secondly, remember where you are. Remember where you are. Look, same verse here. You think, how can he get so much out of one verse? Uh, how can he, why does he keep going on about it? So, to the saints, it, it's two places. In Ephesus and in Christ Jesus. In that first verse, in Ephesus, in Christ Jesus. I'm just going to take the Ephesus point for the moment. In Ephesus, let's change that, shall we? First, to the saints in High Wycombe. So if he's writing to us, it would be to the saints in High Wycombe. Christians, you're set apart to be here. Please get that. You're set apart to be here. I didn't ask how you got here. I didn't ask that. You know, you may be a student. You didn't get the grades you needed for Cambridge. And Cambridge said no, but High Wycombe said, yes. That means God wants you here. Please understand that. God wants you here. He opened up High Wycombe to you. God wants you here. You know, Wycombe may be your second choice. Wycombe may be your second choice. Listen, God wants you here. I don't know how he got you here, but he wants you here. He's called you. Students, don't miss your calling whilst you're here. Don't do that. Just think about Daniel for a moment. Daniel is carried off into captivity. Daniel is given another name. It's got, part of his name is a pagan god. Daniel, Daniel has everything stripped of his connection with being a Jew, being an Israelite. Everything stripped. Do you think Babylon was his first choice? You must be kidding. Do you think it was his second choice? Do you think he had a choice? He didn't. But look what God did with that man. Look what he did with him. God has called you here to this place. God's calling on his life. You know, students, I have to say to those who, and I'm sorry I'm using this general term, but I want to say you have enriched the life of this church. You thoroughly have. I really appreciate you being here. I see, I see you involved in a number of areas of the church, and I think that is brilliant. Get stuck in. But if you're not, and just on the periphery, hey, don't do that. Get stuck in. Don't waste three years of your life waiting to get out. Get your degree and get on. Don't do that. Get in. Get stuck in. Get involved. You're called here to High Wycombe. It's a great calling, let me tell you that. You may have moved here because it wasn't the, you just didn't get the job you wanted. It just wasn't, but the Wycombe one came up. Listen, Nineveh wasn't the job that Jonah wanted. In fact, he went in the opposite. God was going to have him here. 
Listen, God wants you here. Don't bide your time. Get stuck in. God calls these saints to Ephesus. He calls us saints to High Wycombe. God has a heart and a calling for this place. See what Jonah did. And he wasn't really living in the grace of God either. But see what God did with him. I tell you what, saints in High Wycombe, you're called to be here. Don't miss the moment. I used to live in Amersham. Amersham's just up the road. And when we moved here, the estate agent said, estate agent said, why move to High Wycombe? And I said, because the church, in their strange wisdom, have asked me to come here. And uh, he said, well, why don't you travel backwards and forwards? Live in a nice place is really what he meant. I thought, what a cheek. <laughs> Who does he think? I still think that, actually. In fact... The more I've grown to love this place which God has called us to, the more indignant I feel that this man should sit at his desk and look down the nose of people who live in High Wycombe. (laughs) Cheek. Absolute cheek. This town has grown, my friends. It's a privilege to be here. I love this place. I love being here. It's a great joy. It's a great calling, you know. We eventually want to go to a second site. Wickham's grown. Absolutely grown. We want to be on the doorstep of people's lives with the kingdom of God. You know, when we first came here in 1994 in this building, I did a heat map last year of um, the number of people who were within a something like a half mile radius. Do you know what? There wasn't a lot of heat around this area. I did the same heat wrap now, and it's humming with people within a half-mile radius who come to Kings. We want to be on people's doorstep. We want to see what God will do. Call to High Wycombe, my friends. Call to High Wycombe. I get it again and again and again. I'm for this. I recently read a lovely note from someone who has actually to move from here. And they said this. They said to us, I'm just paraphrasing it. They said they were so thankful and grateful for what they'd found here at King's. Do you know what? That's a, very, that's a paraphrase. That's underestimating what they said. Because it it's such a lovely note. I often hear that from visitors about the welcome and the, and the warmth they receive here. I'm not bigging you up, church. I think you just need to hear it. People get really touched by the warmth and welcome here at King's. Oh, praise God. I'm, I'm all for that. See? To the saints in High Wycombe. Called to High Wycombe. Hallelujah. Our small groups, you know. We've opened up our small groups. And um, if you're new here, by the way, let me encourage you. Get to a connect group. Go to a connect group. It's the best place to find out other people on the same journey as you, and it really works. It's really helpful. Get to a connect group. But small groups, you know, and our group leaders, in terms of changing small groups, have been brilliant. Just got on board with this, caught the vision of it, and gone, 
yep, we're in this. And we almost doubled our number of groups as leaders stepped forward to take up groups, to connect people. I just thought it's just brilliant. Opening up small groups has the propensity to be messy because you don't know who you're getting. That's an interesting point of view, isn't it? It tends to be messy. You know, and the more I know about people, the more I understand the phrase, it's complicated. I get that. It's frequently used, and, and I understand why people say that. Listen, hear this. If you had open groups or closed groups, just a closed shop, those you know, I tell you what, it's still messy. Why? Because church is messy. There is no such thing as a perfect church. There isn't. So it gets messy. Open it up, try and get it nice and tight and cozy. It's just messy, my friends. The church always has this tension of mission versus fellowship. And its tendency is to stay safe in fellowship. Do the fellowship thing. Here. Mark Buchanan writes this book, Your Church is Too Safe. I really found this stimulating, actually. Didn't agree with everything, but I found it very, very stimulating. And he says this. Any church too safe became that way because somewhere, somehow, they started wanting to dwell in Rivendale more than travel to Mordor. You have to understand the Lord of the Rings for that. But Rivendale was a safe place. Mordor was, oh my goodness me. He said, so they started to want to dwell in Rivendell more than travel to Mordor. They started caring about fellowship more than mission. And in the end, lost both. Poof. I tell you what, it's just messy. But God will do wonders in the messiness of it all. Hallelujah. We have a vision for a thousand people through our doors called to High Wycombe. I don't know how we do it all, but God has a heart for this place. And we want a thousand people through our doors. So remember who you are and remember where you are. And finally, remember what you have. So have a look at verse 3, which says, Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And then he goes on, for he chose us and in him. And then he goes on, predestined us to be adopted as his sons. You know, this word bless and blessing has, um, in our culture, has a, has a sense of wishing someone well. Bless you. You know, bless you. Bless you. Not just when they sneeze either. But my friends, it means much, much more than that. It's loaded. This word bless is absolutely loaded. It, if I was to give you some sort of essence of it, it means this. May every joy and every benefit that your heart needs and longs for be yours. Do you like that sort of blessing? Hey, I'll pray that on somebody, eh? May every bless. may every Every joy, every benefit that your heart needs and longs for be yours. I bet you'd say amen to that, wouldn't you? Blessing. 
statement of blessing here is, is, is immense. I mean, it's too big. He generalizes, Paul does. It's just too much in here. But it, it, there's the magnitude of blessing. And notice this, that in that, just in that short passage there, he, it's more than chosen. It's more than predestined. It's adopted. That's a big deal. You know, sadly, sometimes adoption is perceived as not fully part. You know, not the whole job. Paul never intended that. I just heard this recently. I thought, from, from a historical point of view, in Roman law, it was a massive privilege to be adopted. That's why he uses this language. It's massive privilege. It didn't make you less valuable. To be adopted in Roman times made you more valuable, not less. You, you, could, you could disinherit your son, but you couldn't unadopt someone you adopted. You couldn't do it. It wasn't allowed. The value of adoption, nothing second rate here. To be adopted was to say how valuable you are. Christians, know who you are, know where you are, and know what you have. What you have. It's, it's, I recently, and I, at the same time I heard this, uh, there was a run of five Roman emperors. That means kingpin of the whole Roman Empire. Five of them. Of the five of them, four were adopted. Four became emperors, rulers, because they were adopted. How much more you, the saints, those who belong to Jesus Christ? Oh, that's amazing. This, this adoption is, means you have every access to God your Father. Every access. What child doesn't have that with a father? Every access to him. The Father wants to bless you. Father's first inclination is to bless. That's what fathers, they want to bless their children. You know, last week Ron spoke about Melchizedek. I thought that was lovely actually. You know, God provided someone for him. It just came straight out. And Melchizedek came out to meet Abraham. And the first thing, the first thing he says after he's been on his adventure with his 318 men and the great victory that he's done the first thing he does is pronounce blessing. Blessed is Abraham by God most high, creator of the heavens and the earth. He's just been on this extraordinary expedition of great success. He never asked them a question about it. He says, how would you like that, Lorraine? You know, blessed. God's first question, blessed. It's a nice thing. Blessed are you. Blessed. That's a nice thing, isn't it? Jen, blessed. You're blessed. You know, and a pronounced blessing. That's his first words. No, uh, that was a great success, Abraham. Brilliant. I mean, uh, the strategy that you have for winning that war is uh, terrific, absolutely terrific. No. Blessed are you. This is, this is God's heart to you. You must catch this. Otherwise, you'll always be looking over your shoulder as if God's a policeman, and he's not. He wants to bless you. Now, some of you know that we, uh, we had a bit of an accident in our house, and one of the mains pipe came out and baptized quite a lot of our house. 
And uh, we had ceilings down, floorboards up. We spent six weeks in the Premier Inn. Very interesting. Really got to know people in the Premier Inn. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. But um, it was a stress. <laughs> it was always a stress. And, and I'm driving backwards and forwards, and, and actually, it's a mess. House is just a mess. I mean, one of my friends came, and we showed him a picture, and said, you know, and then he came to the house, and he went, I won't tell you the words he used, but, um, oh my goodness me, that is a mess. I mean, we had walls down and all the rest of it, so. And I'm driving back one day, things have not been easy, and I'm, and I'm in my car, and I'm saying, come on, God. Come on, my father. Come on, you can make a blessing out of this. You can make a blessing out of this. Come on. Let's see it. Let's see it. I know. I know you want to bless us. I know you want to do that. Come on. Let's see it. Come on. Pour out your blessing on this home. Pour out your blessing in these circumstances. Pour it out, Lord. I, I want to see your blessing. Come on, Lord. Do it. Knowing that he loves to bless. You know, there's things you need to get hold of the Lord for and say, come on then. This isn't a great circumstance. Let's see your blessing in this. Let's see what you will do in this. Amen? That's what you honestly. We haven't seen it all yet, but it's coming. It's coming. God's blessing. Redecorated house. I hate paintbrushes. So... God wants to bless you. So, remember who you are. Remember where you are. Saints, High Wycombe. And remember what you have. You have supreme access to your Father. God, your Father. Hallelujah.